Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name is Tim. As I said, I'm the pastor here, our lead pastor here at the church. So glad you joined us. And we are finishing up, concluding a series we've called Daring Faith uh, for really the last two months we've been in this. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you uh, will go to your last small group, at least the last small group around this topic. We're going to launch in a, to another direction here uh, in a couple of weeks. And so uh, I, I think I need to, I think I need to apologize. Though. I I, you know, I, I keep picking on someone or something up here that I'm starting to get convicted about. Some of you guys may, uh, some of you former Catholics may call it uh, public purgatory. Uh, some of us call it Wally's wonderful world of waiting. Um, then I heard that uh, they were giving all of their employees a raise, which is really great. So maybe they will open up more checkout lines. Uh, I'm talking about Walmart. I uh, I pick on Walmart a lot, and today we're going to talk about waiting, thus my insincere apology, Um, (laughs) but I think God uses Walmart, not just to employ people, but to test me, and uh, and so I go in, and my patience grows every time, just like yours does, I know, it it does. Um, Patience is uh, is a band of... King's X band I listen to sometimes. You don't need to listen to them. Uh, but um, I listen to them. They have a phrase in one of their songs called, it says, patience is a virtue, but she won't always wait. And I'm like, that's the truth. You know, that is indeed the truth. When things don't happen or go the way that we want it to, as far as how fast, then suddenly, even if it's like if you're in a store somewhere, we assume something's wrong. We assume there's mismanagement, maybe, like there's not person, no one's watching over what goes on in this place. Or we assume maybe some of the machinery is broken down and something's just not happening. Or we just get so frustrated with the management that we're like we're not coming back. And you know, sometimes waiting, there is purpose in the waiting. Waiting is not wasted always. And... Uh, have you ever felt like God just was not, just didn't care about what you, your time schedule? Have you ever felt like that? Like God just did not care. I mean, he's like he's not being held to what you think is an important uh, date or an important part of your schedule. And uh, uh, it's like we're all in this waiting room. Everybody in here probably is in a waiting room at some area of your life. You're expecting something, you've been praying for something, you've wanted something, you're looking towards something, uh, and you're just waiting. You're waiting. Doug and John uh, Dorman, part of our church, flew out on Thursday to go to Phoenix to a missions conference. uh, And uh, Doug Doug got up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. There they are at the the airport on Thursday. They got up at 4 to catch an early flight, and that was at 4 that afternoon. And, uh, you know, for 12 hours, they sit in the Myrtle Beach airport because delay after delay after delay after delay. 
And uh, if you've ever been delayed, you know how frustrating it can be just to continue to wait. Um, Most of us don't do real well with waiting. But I think about this. What if God gave you everything you ever wanted just at the first ask? What would you be like? Some of you got children like that. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, you give them everything and then they become brats. That's the way we would be. You know, we'd be like, well, I don't have it now. You give it to me the first hour last time. And uh, we're not, we're just, I mean, what would it be like if God gave us every single thing we wanted immediately? And it just doesn't work like that. But indeed, when it does happen, we start questioning the management. What's going on? Don't you know how to run this place? I've asked you for something. I've come here expecting, and I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. So we're going to take a look this morning, and I hope it will help you some scripture that will help you in understanding this faith that we step out in as followers of Jesus and also the part that waiting uh, plays in all of this. Um, I'm going to tell you that the older I've got, the better I am at waiting. I, I used to be I'm a terribly impatient person. Uh, I like things to go now. I don't like people who walk. I like people who run <laughs> and move. And I like to see things happen and go. And so God has had to work on me a lot. But uh, I, I'll tell you, one time, you know, and also I'm very impatient with impatient people. How's that? Uh, back when I was first a pastor, I, I didn't know what I was doing much like now. But uh, this, this person called me up on the phone. It was a young person. They were so exasperated with God. They were just like frustrated beyond everything. They called me up. They said, I don't get it. God's not answering my prayers. I've done everything I know to do. I've cried. I've fasted. I've blah, 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 blah. Just went on. And these were in the days when I would sit on the phone with somebody for hours and just listen to them. You know, so because I'm supposed to be compassionate and empathic. And so I'm just like, and, you know, they thought on the other side, I'm going, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm going, you know, and uh, so I'm listening. And then after a while, once they vented, I just thought, you know, they need some relief. So I said, hey, you know what? If that's the way God's treating you, I think I'd go out and get a bottle of scotch, go find me a hotel room, and I would just grab a few friends. I mean, you know, if I'm that frustrated, I mean, gosh, you know, and the phone went silent. And I heard, oh, you're supposed to be a pastor. And I said, and you're supposed to be a follower of Jesus. And it just went quiet. And then we had a really great conversation. Things just don't happen on our schedule, do they? They just don't. And to be honest with you, it's very frustrating. I want some immediate help, don't you? I mean, I want something to happen now. And the scripture we're going to read today, just remember this, comes out of a culture that was very patient. Not like our culture. Now we, we can get anything we want in the moment. Like I love books. I have an app. Amazon one click. It can awesomely get you in trouble. It's the biggest temptation in my life, you know, because I hear somebody said that book was awesome, you know, and I have it like in one day. And then it wasn't awesome because I didn't check it out and I didn't research first. But we want it now. The culture back in that time, they were willing to wait hundreds of years for their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren to have what they thought God wanted for them. They were willing to forsake their own comfort, the own way, their own lifestyle, in order that the generations to come could benefit from it. And so there was a lot of patience. So when we read this scripture this morning, realize 
that this is a different this is a different culture, but also realize this, it's just as true for us. We impatient, unpatient, we frustrated Americans in this particular culture who think we can get everything now and deserve it, that it applies to us. And there is power in these words, just like they were for those guys who spoke it. So we're going to look at this today. You've got to fill in in your handout. And uh, our starting scripture is Ecclesiastes 3.11. This is a, a book that is written by a frustrated person. So maybe you can, uh, maybe you can relate uh, to him. We don't know if it's Solomon or not. We're not exactly sure who it is. But we know that this person had a, you know, he was struggling with reality. And the concept of when God moves and how things go. And so uh, let's read this and then I'll pray and we'll jump into this. Ecclesiastes 3.11. God makes everything happen at the right time. Yet none of us can ever fully understand all he has done. And he puts questions in our minds about the past and the future. Father, we ask for you to bless your word today. Help us as we look at it. Uh, Holy Spirit, bring this alive. Because all of us in here are waiting in, in some measure for something. And many of us are waiting. We've been waiting a while. So we pray for you to come and help us understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. One commentary said about the book of Ecclesiastes, it said it is a book that grapples with reality. And reality is complex. Should the words of a wise man about reality not be difficult to simplify? See, I tell you, the Bible is, is a very, it's, it's a spiritual book indeed. And it tells us about Christ from beginning to end. But it's a book that's applicable to our lives in every way. And, and uh, you're going to see reality and you're going to see struggling in the scriptures of those who live this out just like we do. Um, that scripture, God makes everything, God makes everything happen at the right time. Uh, one translation says God makes all things beautiful in its time. God makes all things beautiful in its time. Your first fill-in is this. When we think about waiting as we step out in faith, is there's always a delay between sowing and reaping. There is always a delay. We talked a little bit about this last week. This is just the law of planting and, uh, and, and reaping. There's always a delay. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 5 says, There always a delay. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to scatter, that is to sow, and a time to gather. But uh, we're not really good about those seasons, are we, in this culture? Now, last week, uh, we talked about the fact that you plant seeds and the seeds don't come up immediately and you don't get fruit and you don't get vegetables immediately. That same law is tied up in the way that God moves. Whenever we plant a step of faith, whenever we plant a prayer and we move, there's a season involved in that. And I know that many of you guys have planted financially. You've planted relationally into other people's lives and you're looking to get it back. You're looking for a return on your sowing. When you sow kindness to someone and you're like, you know, why isn't it coming back to me yet? I'm frustrated with this or I'm sowing 
my neighbor is a real grouch, you know, and I do everything I can to reach out to him, and he continues to be a grouch. And you're like, how long? I'm just going to give up on this because I'm not reaping anything back. There are always seasons involved in this. And it can be very frustrating, as I said, for us. For those of us who live in this culture, in this generation, believing that indeed there is something going on between the planting and the reaping is hard for us. For the same reason it is going into Walmart. We just think we can get it right now. We deserve it right now. Doggone it. Right now. I mean, we're special. We deserve it. But let me read some frustrated people or some quotes from a couple of frustrated people and see if you can commiserate with them. This comment is by a guy in the Bible named David. David is, uh, you know, he's like the hero of, of every person, basically every believer, because he was a king. He was a worship leader. He was a warrior. Uh, you know, he, Jesus is known as the son of David. David, it was said of David that he had a heart after God's own heart. So David had a relationship with God. Would, would we say that? Could we draw that conclusion that he had a really deep relationship with God? But listen to this in Psalm 69.3. Here's David, a man after God's own heart. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping. Waiting for my God to help me. How's that for reality? Huh? Some of you know that, right? You cried out to God. You wanted God to move maybe in your children's life or in your profession or somewhere, somehow. And you're, you just pray yourself out. You cry yourself out before God until there's nothing left and your throat begins to just tighten up. Here's a man after God's own heart going through the same thing, just pouring it out. Then we jump over to Psalms 119, verse 81. Listen to this. I am worn out waiting for your response. But I have put my hope, that is faith, in your word. How long must I wait? I can't keep my eyes open any longer, waiting for you to keep your promise to set everything right. How's that for pie in the sky? Is that pie in the sky? That's not pie in the sky, right? I love it when people say, oh, the Bible is just so fan. It's just a fantasy. It's pie in the sky. And I'm like, you have not read the Bible. I can tell. Because if you read the Bible, you will find flesh and blood people struggling through the same things that we struggle with and wrestling, but yet keep their eyes on God and yet continue their walk and live their lives in such a way that it speaks to the faith that they had in the Creator and in the Savior. And David was no difference. He had his time when he struggled, when he wondered where God was. But yet he he didn't bail out. He never bailed out. He stayed on the walk and he stayed in it. Because he had to learn, as we have to learn, that there are seasons. Sowing seasons and reaping seasons. And uh, we don't know how long the seasons are going to be. And that's why it's so frustrating. So when you're in the midst of this, realize that... uh, you know, there are seasons, different seasons. Set of Abraham in Hebrews 6.15, it says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. After waiting patiently. He waited a long time, didn't he? After waiting patiently, he did receive what was promised. Your second fill-in is this. 
there's always a battle being waged. Always a battle being waged. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, that kind of peels back like the, the, the facade of that there is another realm in our lives as Christians. That there is an evil realm. There are enemies of faith that are there that we can't see that are pushing back against the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God when it comes. And if you read the Gospels, you see the devil pushing back on Jesus constantly, trying to trip him up, trying to push him back to keep him from his destiny. And he is still, he is still around. He is still on the earth, in the air, and he's still about trying to trip up God's cause and God's people. Still doing it. And that's what Paul is uh, warning the, the Ephesus church about. He's like, look, you guys aren't battling just people, so don't get angry at the people all the time. Realize there is a force that is moving in this. And that's who you're doing battle with. And when you pray for something that is indeed God's will, there is going to be a pushback against you. The enemy is going to push, push, push against you. And in prayer, as you push on in and as you believe and as you stay the course and as you trust God, as you pour your heart out to God, and uh, it continues to push the enemy back. Um, You've heard the saying, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Well, the devil hates you and has an awful plan for your life. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, the scripture says. Scripture says he's a liar and the truth is not in him. He can't tell you the truth. It also, you know, says that he comes down to this earth knowing that his days are numbered in the book of Revelation. So as he's been cast down to earth, he knows he only has a limited amount of time to get done, to try to hurt you and to sidestep you. So when you feel pressure sometimes and you're praying for good things and you feel this almost presence just pushing back against you, sometimes it's not just your thought processes. That's a very real battle, a very real battle. Uh, Over in Daniel 10, there's this fascinating story. Uh, Daniel... Remember him? And uh, Daniel's in captivity and the Babylonians have taken him captive. He's been praying for three weeks. He's been praying for an answer to, you know, that he's been given. God, please. He's fasted. He's only eating foods that he believes are good for him and not uh, any desserts and stuff. And he's just seeking God, seeking God, seeking God. On the 21st day or so, an angel, he has this vision of an angel showing up. And uh, this is in the Bible. You ever read this? Tenth chapter of Daniel. Look it up. Okay, he's praying, he's praying, you know, and this angel shows up and and says this. From the first day you began to pray, your request was heard. From the first day. But how long did it take for the answer to come? 21 days. This is Daniel now. And what happened in that time? This angel says, you know what? I couldn't press through. I couldn't press through this heavenly realm by myself. It was so strong that I had to get Michael, the archangel, to come and help me. And so reinforcements showed up. Press through and push through to give Daniel the answer to his prayer. There is always a spiritual battle. Especially for those of us who follow Jesus 
are in this mission and this call to see the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God come to this earth, there is an enemy. There is a foe that pushes back. There is a foe pushing back against your marriage. There is a foe pushing back against your sex life. There is a foe pushing back against your business, the way you do business. There is a foe pushing back on uh, who you hang out with, your influence, how you do business, how you treat people. There is an enemy that has what the Bible calls schema. That is schemes. It has strategy. The devil just doesn't drop in and go, oh, look at there, Tim, and walks on somewhere else, you know. He doesn't do that. He's, he's like, God, oh, let's see, May 1st, 71, Tim came to know Jesus. What's the plan? And, you know, they all get together, and they go, here's how we can trip Tim up. We got a strategy for him. We know how to get him. We know how to get him. And so then they go to work, pressing in, just like they do with you. They have a schema, schemes, strategies to press into your life and to trip you up, to mess you up, <laughs> You know, but greater is he that's in us than he who is in the world, right? And it is not God, the devil. It's God, devil. You know, it's like that. It's, it's, they're not like the same. You get this, right? I mean, it's not the same at all. And you belong to God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in his hands. He has a will for your life. He has called you. His spirit lives within you. He is teaching you, leading you. He goes to battle for you. Uh, Your victory is already secured in eternity. And now what we're doing is living it out. But there is a battle to be waged. Whatever area that you have stepped out in in faith for God, there is going to be a pushback. I believe that's true for what we want for our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, our businesses, our friendships, our church. There's no doubt that there is another force pushing back. And so that, that has a bearing on how much time that it takes many for us to see uh, things come true, to see our prayer come true. Uh, so there are seasons of sowing and reaping. There's always a battle to be fought spiritually in it. And your third one is this. Is, and this is the one I don't like. Um, you are in process. <laughs> we all are in process. This is a part of the waiting. We are in process. First uh, Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy. Where? <laughs> Ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Wow. There is much joy ahead. Keep your eyes on that because we are in process. I asked the first service this. I said, what if your character right now is what you're going to have for eternity? Nobody said, whoopee. <laughs> Nobody said, rock on. That's the character I want. But think about it. We're, we're, we're in process right now. All of the epistles that were written over in the, this part of the Bible, all of, all of this back here, and even the example that we have of Jesus in the Gospels are all an example of the character of God that he wants for his people. As we live this life and we face our challenges, as we face 
our prayers not being answered when we want them to, when we step out in faith and yet we're still hoping because we haven't seen it in reality yet, all of that puts us in process to be developed more into the character that God would like for us to have and to be. And even Jesus, his character as a human was formed in those moments as a human, though he was fully God as well, was formed in those moments when he submitted to his father, as we're going to see at Easter, right? As he submitted to his father, even though his flesh cried out, no, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this pain. But yet, God's character being built and God's will in his life, he followed through. For what? The joy that was before him. And there is joy before us. So, how do you want to spend eternity? What kind of character do you want to be? I mean, do you know what you want to be like? Do you know what? I mean, I think we're going to be pretty close to the same thing. Because we're going to know each other. We're going to look a little different because Jesus looked a little different after the resurrection. But he was still Jesus. His character. His personality. Who he was. I think we're going to be the same. And that's why we're in process now to develop all of that. This isn't just some way station. I mean, this is work. This is where we become what God dreamed for us to be. As we work with each other, forgive one another, the kingdom comes. The rule and the reign of God comes to his church. And we become, we become people that he always thought the kingdom would be made up of. So this is no slack time. All of this, even the waiting is not slack time. That's not downtime. It's not wasted time because in that wait, God develops his character in us. But there is joy coming. And sometimes, sometimes all we have is that look out there of the joy and know it's coming. It's coming. It will come. And so our character is developed. Now, like I said, I know that's not fun. That's not fun a lot of times. Uh, Romans 5.3 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope or faith that we believe. And uh, Hebrews 10.36 says, Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. And uh, when I read this in the message, this is uh, out of Romans 8.24. If this doesn't brighten up uh, your day, I don't know what will. When you're waiting, right? Okay, here you go. Ready? This is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. And the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. Like a midwife. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. Making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. Knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Some of you are like, I'm a month overdue. right? 
You're like, I've got this expectation. I've been waiting. You know, I can't walk anymore. It's like, well, that expectation just makes you happier because you know it's coming. The delivery is coming. And I, I love that translation. But, you know, we are in process. And it's really important that we embrace that as followers of Jesus. Because I don't know how many times people buy a certain idea of what following Jesus is like. And and then the minute it doesn't go the way they want it to, they go, this doesn't work for me. And I'm like, maybe you're not letting God work in you and through you right now. Maybe he's doing something in you and through you that's going to be beautiful if you just hang in there. Hang in there with it. So we're in process. Think about Joseph. Um, Joseph, I mean, talking about being in process. His brothers sell him into slavery, right? Put him in a hole. These slave people come along, buy him, take him off. And, uh, you know, he stays in a jail for 14 years. For 14 years, and he had done nothing wrong. This is uh, your next fill-in, and that is that you are not alone. You are not alone. Joseph has been there. Joseph has been blamed for things that he didn't do, accused. He was, he was a good employee. He was a good man. And yet he spent 14 years in a jail, in a dungeon that he didn't deserve. Moses. Moses has gone before you. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. And he was a pretty old dude by the time God called him out. It was a long time for him to wait. And it was a long time to get there to where he was headed. Abraham. I mean, a hundred years to be a dad? That is a long wait. That is a long wait. But yet, they waited. You're not along. One of the most powerful things that a meeting that I've ever been in was when one of our leaders uh, in the vineyards, pastors, we were all together, and one of the leaders got up and said, do you see who's in front of you? And I'm looking around, and he says, no, I mean in front of you into heaven, into eternity. Because Paul is standing right up in the line just ahead of you up there. You see Moses? You see Abraham? You see Thomas? You see Augustine? Do you see Calvin? Do you see? And just started naming off all of these heroes of the faith. Now how about the ones that shared Christ with you that have gone on to be with God? Do you see them up there? Because they're right ahead of you. You're standing in line with them. You're not alone. You're not alone. That's why this scripture is given to us. And that's why Hebrews 11 has so many wonderful names through it. And there are horror stories in there of what these guys and what these people went through for the faith. But you're not alone. Look around this room. Literally, look around this room. I mean, take a look. There's not a single person in here not in a waiting room somehow. Look, I mean, you, we're, all, we're all like, you know, we're pregnant with something. We've been praying. We're looking for something to happen. Every single one of us. You're not alone in this. And one of the strategies the devil would do is to try to separate you and think you're the only one going through what you are. You're not. You're not. And even if you were, it wouldn't matter because you've got other people that care about you and love you. But you're not. You're not going through. There's nobody in here going through any unique thing. I can tell you I've been doing this a long time. No. You know, we all had the same dilemma. It's called humanity. And God has come to restore, to save, and to take back what was robbed. And so we're all in the process, and we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. Noah, think about him building a boat, no rain, 120 years. (laughs) 
people going by laughing at him. <laughs> What's a boat? You know, don't even know what it is. I mean, it's like uh, no rain, you know. It's going to rain, sure, 120 years. I mean, now uh, that's in process, right? God was doing something and Noah and giving people a chance. Just giving them a chance to turn. Like, I just don't want to bring the rain. I don't want to bring it on the earth. Give them more chance. Give them a chance to turn, to repent. And even Jesus, which is our best example of all, thousands of years Jesus waited, waited, going, Father, is the time now? Can I go down now and redeem your creation? Can I leave now? The Father goes, time, not yet, not yet. And then the time comes, and Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. The last one is this. And this is the one I need an amen on. God always gets the last word. All right. God always gets the last word. Always the last word. But these things, this is out of Habakkuk 2, 3. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. God's timing. God's time. God always gets the last word. A delay is not a denial. A delay is not a a denial. Micah 7, 7. Prophet says, but for me, I'm not giving up. I hope this is your prayer this morning, like Micah. For me, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. I'm waiting for God to make things right. I'm counting on God to listen to me. You should write that in your journal. Second Peter 3, 9, read you another scripture. The Lord is not slow. In doing what he promised. The way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. But he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. We started this morning with Ecclesiastes 3.11. Where I read God makes everything happen at the right time. And uh, as I said there's another translation that says. God makes everything beautiful in its time. And. Listen to this commentaries, uh, this comment on that particular passage of Scripture. This Creator has made everything beautiful in its time. Probably in the sense of, get this, beautifully fitting. There is an elegance about how life works as time succeeds time. There is an elegance about The way life works. The way God is working in your life that you can't see right now. There is an elegance of God's working that you cannot see. Because he makes everything beautiful in its time. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.